I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of Freaks and Geeks. I say season one. It's really <laughs> the only season, fortunately. Yes, the only season. How are you, Damask? I'm pretty good. You and I have been playing video games all day, so that was yep. pretty fun. It was fun. Some classics. Yeah, and now we're here talking about another classic, Freaks and Geeks. How Ooh, are you? I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to talking about Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, got a bit to talk about. Um, looking forward to just sort of getting into your history with it, because I realise we used to do categories once upon a time. We did. And we would talk, we'd do must-watches and cancellations, and mm. this show sort of fits into both, both of them, except it's not a must-watch because you've already seen it, so it was a recommend, I guess. Yeah. How many times have you seen Freaks and Geeks? Only the once. Only the once all the yep. time? How long ago was that? Was that a while ago? I think it was like seven years ago. Right. I watched it. Yeah, gotcha. Because mm. I hadn't, I've been, had a lot of people tell me, my mm. girlfriend incessantly kept telling me <laughs> I needed to watch it. Um, and so finally got around to it. So I'm happy to have done that. All right, let's get into it then. Spoiler warning, on this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in the complete run of Freaks and Geeks. Before listening, we recommend watching the one and only season of Freaks and Geeks. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures for you folks. Freaks and Geeks is an original period team dramedy about a trio of nerdy freshman boys and a ragtag group of junior dropouts trying to navigate the tumultuous waters of high school, friendship, sex, drugs and disco. First airing on NBC on September 25th, 1999, the show was created by writer and director Paul Feig and produced by the guy seemingly involved in every comedy movie for the last 10 years, Judd Apatow, and launched the careers of many of its young cast, including Linda Cardellini, John Francis Daly, James Franco, Sam Levine, Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel, Martin Starr, and my girlfriend's true love, Busy Phillips. <laughs> She's all of our true love. Freaks and Geeks consists of 18 episodes, each coming in at around 45 minutes and took us approximately 13 hours and 25 Five minutes to watch. The show was unceremoniously cancelled after airing just 12 episodes, with the remaining six, six episodes only making it to broadcast later due to a passionate outcry from fans. It has since become a cult classic and frequently appears in best cancelled TV show and even the occasional best ever TV show lists. Damask, do you have a synopsis for us? I don't have a synopsis this I, week. I don't think we really needed it. It's. I mean, I could have done one, but one, it's quite episodic, and very. two, I was sick with headaches kind of on and off all week, so I just I just couldn't get myself together this week. I apologise, everyone. Here's a synopsis for you. Lindsay is trying to sort of is rebelling against... Trying to find herself, find, find herself. her place to belong. And Sam likes a girl, gets with her, and then doesn't like her anymore. 
Yep. Like that's Great. that's that's the that's the general as far as we got in these storylines. And there's yeah. obviously a lot more nuance in there as well. Mm-hmm. But but because it was so episodic, it's not necessarily worth going into the synopsis no. anyway. Uh, plus, it's eighteen episodes long, guys. Go just go watch it. Just go watch <laughs> it. Um, all right. Let's go into some summations then. Five word summations. Mm-hmm. Would you like to go first, Damaris? Sure. Cringeworthy in the best way. Well, that's cringeworthy is that one word? Is mm-hmm. that what we're going for? Oh, hyphenated, I yep. say. Very good. Sneaky, sneaky. That's what I try and do. Is that is that do you reckon that's all right? No, that's fine. I'll take okay. it. I'll all take right. it. I'm not I'm not too I'm not <laughs> too worried about the rules. Jeez. Um all right. Otherwise I just do a just way to make it like cringy in the ah, way. Ah, yeah, know? nice. Yeah, sure. Modern comedy owes a debt. Mm. Is my summation. As in, like, it's the beginnings of Judd Apatow's kind of and Paul Feig's sensibilities. Well, there's a couple of things here I want to talk about, and this is sort of where I want to start the discussion generally is the legacy of this show, first mm. and foremost. Now, of course, I think, well, one of the reasons we wanted to discuss this show was because it is considered a cult classic, a must see yes. show. Like one of those shows that was cancelled when it shouldn't have been. It had mm-hmm. a huge life ahead of it still, most fans would think. Um, and uh, it was really sad that it ended when it did. So early on in its life. Um, but from that as well, there seems to be this huge legacy left over. And there's there's two ways of approaching that. Number one is that um, just for a show that was cancelled after 12 episodes, it seems to have had a pretty profound impact on TV and comedy movies. And we'll start with the comedy movies because that's the really obvious thing. Okay. And that's just the fact that Paul Feig, you know, he's a prolific writer and director in Hollywood in a lot of different ways. Comedies like Bridesmaids, he didn't write that, but he directed it. Mm-hmm. Spy, um, mm. Ghostbusters, the yeah. the new one with um, the, the all female cast. One. Yep. Um, so not some people would say not always successful what he does, but certainly prolific. Yeah, uh, he works a lot, yeah. Yeah, definitely that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Judd Apatow, who was sort of still is in a lot of ways an empire of comedy yeah. on TV and on the silver screen. Like you said, for the past 10 years, if it's been a major release comedy, it's, it's likely probably he's involved. Yeah. 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 Um, but then also, and probably something that interests me more, is the cast and what they've got on to do. Mm. So this young cast playing you know, our main characters, Linda Cardellini, she's got a bunch of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially though, you start looking at Seth Rogen, um... Jason James Siegel, Franco, James yeah. Franco, yeah. especially. Martin Starr, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Busy Phillips. These people have since become... Continue to work. Continue to work. And some of them are very influential mm-hmm. comedians and actors now. James Franco is doing all sorts of crazy work. Yep. Um, and so, I just think it's really interesting to see these people, and even some of the cameos in this show, mm. from people you go, holy crap, that's... Like Lucy Kaplan and stuff. and Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones, Holy yeah. shit. Rashida Jones playing a character, that's top of character. I've never seen a... I haven't seen a heap of stuff mm. beyond Parks and Rec, but, like, that's never... It's this ratty bully. Yeah, really strange. <laughs> Just like, that's Rashida Jones. What the hell? Yeah. What's Anne Perkins doing here? And why is her hair so limp? Um, yeah, and things like that. And so that's just... It's a really interesting point of reference is just what has happened to these people since this mm. show. Yes. <laughs> yes. I guess it's hard to say. I much mean, that's beyond kind that. of the the point. I I would love to know. Um, I wonder if there's like, I guess they can't. I don't know. I wonder. I would love to see like a documentary about exactly what this show meant to those people who have gone on to do amazing things. Like what the environment was that nurtured them so much and so well mm. that they 
not only like continued on in the business, but really flourished and yeah. kind of made their own very clear path, their own direction in the business, which, you know, is very easy to get lost in. Well, the show was always critically acclaimed by the, mm. the way I see it, but for a lot of different reasons, one of them being sort of the same fate that um, fell upon Firefly, it seemed to have a hard time finding a permanent slot on on NBC. I mean, that's the kiss of death, isn't it? Ew, if you uh, keep moving around your show so that it, like the audience can't, can't find, it. find it, then what do you expect ratings wise? Yeah. So that didn't help it, but and yet it was rating. Uh, sorry, it was critiquing very well, mm. and so you would assume that f- the way the reason these people have had success going forward, or so many of them had success, is because many people looked at the show and went, "Oh, this is really great. These people are really great," mm. and have made sure they've gotten work since then and they've been able to grow from there. Apparently Judd Apatow uh, I think it's Judd Apatow maybe maybe Paul Feig but I think it was Judd who said he, he basically everything he's done since Freaks and Geeks is revenge for Freaks and yeah, Geeks being cancelled. read that, yeah. <laughs> which I think is very funny and obviously yeah. it meant a hell of a lot to him and mm-hmm. to the creators. Um, I, I'd be interested. I know there's been reunions and stuff since Yeah, I mean, then. like there was that photo series. It's probably in something like Entertainment Weekly or something like yeah, that. Or where v- they all... Vanity Fair or something, something like that, that yeah. Where they all came together, the dolls, which is very cool to see. Yeah, and just mm. see where everyone is now. And <laughs> I mean, one of the films I'm looking forward to more than anything this year is The Disaster Artist, which, you know, James Franco and Seth Rogen... I am, hugely... and I'm also not excited for that. No? Well, I love The Room. Love the I room. love The Room. And I, I how I don't know what they how you can add to that that the perfection that is the room. The apparently it's reviewing extremely well because it's get, doing That's the it's doing the circuit relief, at the moment. Yeah. I hope it's good and I hope it's. There was a new trailer released yesterday, it, it, actually. Oh, really? Recording this, yeah. I hope that it gives me something else, like like a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A story and arc. No, no, like just like it's a companion piece to. The amazingness that is the room. Sure. Um, and I hope it, you know, makes a lot more people who have never heard of it or have never seen it go out and watch the room. It'd be interesting. I, I would be sad for the people who watch the disaster eyes before they see the room. I don't even know. Could you get the jokes? I think you I think you would get a whole different series of jokes. Right. Right? Yeah. It'd be like because at that point you'll have seen the jokes about the jokes. Mm. You'll have seen you'll have seen the jokes. And then you'll be able to go, ah, I get that joke so much better now that I've seen the movie sort of thing. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very meta layered Mm. film in that sense. But from the trailer I saw today, which I highly recommend you see, Mm. it seems to be going for a really, a quite heartfelt sort of like honest, well, not maybe, who knows about honest, but uh, a look at um, Tommy. Tommy. Mm. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau and who he is and sort of obviously he's an extreme oddball, but maybe there's something kind of aspirational and beautiful about that. Right. Which looks fun. It looks mm. cool. And it's like, I hope, I think it will fit inside. The room is a disaster. <laughs> but it's, it's a perfect storm but of it's, terribleness. It's but it's in, what's incredible is that it exists at all mm. and that someone went and made this. And so who is it that went and, well, and can go and make this? And I think that's what the disaster yeah. is going to be. Because like, yeah, I, I think that's, that's actually great because when one of the beautiful things when you're watching the room is the constant question is just how how, how did this how? get made and then so much make a podcast about that <laughs> hmm <laughs> and so yeah I guess they've taken that how that we all ask and just made a story out of it yeah which is cool I like that yeah um so yeah obviously Can you, I, sorry yes just to divert once more I watched the interview the other night oh I haven't that's also Seth Rogen oh, Seth Rogen and James Franco and James Franco yeah 
Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It didn't because that I knew it was gonna be bad, but because that was really interesting when that happened as well, because there was the the trailers people sort of thought was cool. Mm. Then it had the whole controversy around it because yeah. I think it was, North Korea was like, no, don't. Yeah. yeah. Hack hack hack. Which yeah. got it sort of banned, but then it was released some other ways and stuff like that and sort of finally yeah. came out it was always a big deal. Mm. But it wasn't enough to save it from the fact it was a bad film <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> I think it probably got a lot of bums on seats in the initial week. Yeah. People going, oh, I think I need it to was see this controversial Tina Fey and Amy Poehler who made a gag about that at like the Emmys or the Golden Globes or whatever. I was like, uh, North Korea made us all have to pretend that we wanted to see the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I don't love everything that those guys have done, but I like enough of their stuff. I certainly mm. like, um, I love. I also uh, rewatched This Is The End recently and I was like, well, this is just solidly hilarious. I think This Is The End is is fine. I think it's I think its first act is really good and then I, mm, okay, I get a, I'm a little bit over. If, if there's anything I'm done with now that those guys do, it's this like totally improvised, like loosely scripted banter, comedy banter. that just goes on for two and a half hours once it's not edited down properly. <laughs> that annoys the fuck out of me. Um, mm. So I'm sort of, I'm a little bit over those, but there are plenty of those that I liked and I love Superbad. Yeah, like, I Superbad. That is so good. I yeah, no, it is. I generally don't like the banter, banter, let's laugh at our own jokes kind of comedy, but I think that works in juxtaposition to the situation of this is the end. The situation is, is the bit that makes it so funny. Well. The idea yeah. of the celebrities that and actually just like these self-involved people, yeah. and they're playing like you know high, like heightened high, versions, heightened versions of themselves. Um, so self-awareness that, that wor- that goes works a long way. For me, yeah. But it, I, like, it's funny how that can somehow become wanky too. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I didn't love that film. <laughs> okay. um, maybe, may, I, I guess I compared it too many times to like, like I think The World's End came out around that like time exactly as well. Like exactly the same time. Yeah, it was very it was confusing. poorly timed yeah. that. And that's a film that uh, a lot of people don't love, but I think is at least narratively and thematically rich that I really like I really like watched that. it the once. I yeah. probably watch it. Well, yeah. And a lot of, I, yeah, anyway, we're getting way off track. <laughs> The point Oops. being, these guys obviously have a massive legacy and that's mm-hmm. e- very interesting to be able to go back and watch this show and go, oh, this is where so many of them started. And yeah. who would have thought that this bunch of misfits would end up being like world famous? Bunch of freaks. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But on top of that as well, and I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I need to be corrected on this, but it felt to me like watching this show, many modern comedies have stolen some of the magic from Freaks and Geeks and used it in their own shows. I found myself even looking at some of my, one of my favourite sitcoms and going, oh, you remind me a lot of this show in Community. There was right. a sense of like the misfits, the oddballs all coming together, even being in that sort of school community where there's every, like there are lots of different characters, side mm. characters who come in and out yeah. and play their role here and there and just get the teachers and the students and stuff. And even like, like there's the episode where George Bush comes and there's like the Secret mm. Service and stuff around. I was like, mm-hmm. Community yeah, completely <laughs> stole this idea and used it in their own episode. They stole this from Freaks and Geeks and stuff like that. Um, I just felt like... Maybe it's more of an homage than theft. Prob- yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, yeah. And, um, and as Community was rife, like loved yeah. doing homage I mean, and stuff like that. I mean, that's what it was, yeah. And it would only ever doing it lovingly. But mm. it's just, I guess it was... Um, I just felt, yeah, there was a lot of influence on not just the movie side of things in terms of what these people have gone to do, but just TV since then has obviously fallen in love with Freaks and Geeks and keeps taking some of its DNA and putting it into its own Mm. shows. Yeah, I mean, certainly we see in that 
opening shot of like the cheerleader and the football player in the beginning being like, I love you so much, it hurts. And then panning down to like the freaks beneath, Behind, yeah. which is great. That's yeah, just a very fantastic clever. way to start a pilot. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that is the, not diversion, the, what's the word I'm looking for? I have no idea. <laughs> the deviating yep. from what we had seen before and really concentrating on the stories of the people who are usually on the fringe or who are the caricatures of, you know, losers yep. or burnouts or whatever. That would be the side characters in another television show of yes. that cool kids and jocks yep. and cheerleaders and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think... Like that was kind of it was very different because we had like nine hundred two one zero and those kind of shows as well. So I think just delving into that and finding not only the humanity but the comedy in those characters, yeah, I think certainly influenced a lot of TV shows to come. I know uh, the guy who made Veronica Mars was very influenced by Freaks and Geeks, right? Um, and he was really disappointed that it was cancelled. And it, you know, when he saw Freaks and Geeks, he's like, "Oh, this is a TV show I can write. Mm-hmm. Like that looks like something." Like, it's my sensibilities, it's my sense of humour, it's my world. Oh, I didn't realise, like, TV shows about teenagers like this could exist. Well, apparently, from what my little bit of Wikipedia research I've done, that was one of the things that seems to have killed the show, was the network wanted it to be, wanted these characters to be cooler, essentially. That because they were about freaks and geeks. I wanted them to be aspirational. Yeah, and Mm. that was not what the show was interested in doing at all. It wasn't about I just feel like, have you read the title? What are you talking about? Exactly. It's not the show. No, not at all. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's I, that has definitely become very, very popular in TV now to make it about either fringe people or people that aren't necessarily nice or good as well. Mm. Like you don't, there's so many shows that don't have a conventional hero anymore or an obvious like aspirational person to yeah. follow. Don't whether the that's, underdog or whether it's Sunny in Philadelphia or Community or. Um, even things like Suits or, mm. you know, Mad Men. So many things are about... Uh, they're completely different shows to Freaks and Geeks, obviously, but it's not just about trying to make the audience feel good or mm. be about feel-good characters. Yes. I like the I like the amount of attention that's paid to the um, the main family. I forgot, Sam... The Weirs. The Weirs, thank you. And that it's sort of like on the edge of that like Happy Days-esque, mm. almost 50s type, 60s family, <laughs> even though it's set in the 80s. And it goes there and then always, like, they'll well, have marriage problems or, you know, they'll spend the afternoon mm-hmm. having sex in their room. Or- well, that's what I love is, like, it, they would be the people, and we see them, you know, sitting in front of the TV and watching it. They would be the people that would watch, like, Happy Days yeah. and want to emulate that. And But this way we see the reality of trying to be that. And how sometimes you get lost in that or you feel unfulfilled by this idea of what you think like the, the perfect American family mm. looks like. And we see that not, not only in Sam's family, but Neil's family as well. Yeah. And yeah. So All those mo- just lifting about- up the layers or the veneer of like that pretty shiny family. The family, the family stuff is great because every single one of those families seems to have an interesting angle or quirk to it. Mm-hmm. The weird family are as close to it as a nuclear family as you can get. Yeah. And then from there you've got... Uh, Neil's parents who the dad's Cheating having dad. a, and the mother who apparently knows it. Mm. Um, then you've got, yeah, the single mum for Bill. Uh, I Kim's, love Bill and his mum. Yeah. Kim's parents, uh, well, they're, she, they're divorced, and stepdad separated, and stepdad, and, and that's all Very volatile situation. Nick's dealing with his apparently no mother and a very, very strict dad. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do we ever really get to make, we get a little glimpse at Daniel's Yeah, parents? so his dad is obviously sick with something. Yeah. Because um, he needs medication and sleeping all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what's Seth Rogen's character's name again? Oh. I always forget that. He's... He's just this. Yeah, it's really interesting how little role Seth Rogen really yeah. has in the show <laughs> until towards the end they right finally the find end. some stuff for yeah. him to do. Um, but he talks about his parents briefly. We don't meet them. I don't think they seem to be quite well off. They seem and to be quite fine. stable. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was well. Yeah, he was actually. I think the one he, think he talked about. He's raised by a nanny. That's right. I think so they're, they're too wealthy. wealthy and yeah, but that was cold, really. I guess, it, yeah. it makes for a lot of really good, you know, characters with depth and mm. history and. Lots to, to dive into there, which is really, really good. Um, yeah, there, was there, just going back to the whole um, show about unpopular teenage kids, mm. were there any shows beforehand about that? Like it's Wonder Years. Yeah. what? When was that coming out? Because that, that's got a lot of similar DNA, you yeah. would think. Yeah. Do you want to Google that for me? Oh, I can do that. I... Okay. So, it ran on the ABC from 1988 till 1993 and is set during the late 60s, early 70s. Right. Which is interesting. Similar. Yeah, so it's in, similar because it's obviously set in 81 mm-hmm. and it's very much a period piece because it came out in 999. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's about similar sort of time frame between and obviously the writers are really reflecting on their own childhoods yeah. when they're making this. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, I haven't watched The Wonder Years since I was lit really little mm-hmm. and like that reruns on TV. But thinking back on it, I think like Sam and Cindy mm-hmm. is reminiscent of, I can't remember the main character's name, but the love interest Winnie, I think is her name. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and so I kind of like the fact that Sam finally gets the girl, the, the, the crush, the childhood sweetheart to only find out that they have nothing in common and he doesn't actually like her. Whereas a, as opposed to I think the main characters in Wonder Years' relationship with Winnie is that like they kind of are one true loves. Um, I think it's Kevin is the name of the... That's, so- Kevin McAllister? No, that's... Kevin, no, that's Kevin Arnold, I think it is. Kevin Arnold. Just right. a, do a quick search there. Yeah. The other show, just as well in terms of legacy, that has ta- taken a lot from Freaks and Geeks is Stranger Things, which is essentially Freaks and Geeks with Stephen King-esque yeah, horror. That's very true. Yeah. Like, it's extremely similar. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, even the, yeah, that's the division become, of characters. And, and yeah. just uh, really resting on nostalgia in terms of mm-hmm. looking at, like, music from the 80s, video games, mm. like, what it meant to be, like, Dungeons and Dragons, stuff yeah. like that. I think perhaps with this Freaks and Geeks, though, is that it's veered towards a teenage audience who would not have had the nostalgia for the 80s in the way that adults who were writing it would have. So I like so maybe teens were watching this show and just not really wanting to watch something from the 80s, which was pretty close at the time, not far enough away to be cool yet. It'd been yet. nearly 20 years. Oh, but it really? wasn't well, – well, well, 81 to 1999 is that what mm, we're talking about. Are we, yeah. So I'm thinking of like the fashion Maybe not trends. retro enough yeah. at that stage. I think the fashion trends were at that point. I think like bell bottoms were cool again. So like the 70s were retro cool, but not quite the 80s yet, I think. Sure. If I'm yeah. remembering correctly. I know it was a long time ago. Disco was dying in this series, yeah. so I think you might be right. Yeah, possibly. It It's so hard to tell exactly why this show didn't succeed, considering how... Well, it, it, I wonder whether it was expensive or it was a single camera. Shouldn't have been a single camera drama yeah. like that. I just think, I mean, it was on NBC, and I think yeah. they just have very big expectations of well viewership. Yeah, and it's funny the viewership they were getting at the time would 
keep them on air for years and years and years <laughs> these days. It's funny how four million mm. or six million or whatever it was they viewers had, like, back then. Friends and stuff at this time. This and those was the big problem. Shows it was like Frasier and stuff that like show, that were yeah. getting like 12 million viewers a night and those mm. sorts of things. And this one wasn't getting up there, so it just didn't last. And yeah, it's like maybe if they nurtured a little bit more and looked after a bit more, it could have gone on for ages. Mm. But it was just one of those like, ah, oh, this experiment didn't work. We'll can it and make something else. Yeah. And they, NBC probably, I think, was probably sort of the king of comedy at the time. They've lost their, that. Their Thursday nights were the biggest nights in television because they had like yeah friends and all that jazz and then that all died in the sort of mid to late 2000s mm. when they were struggling to like they were i think that was it that so nbc was the one that had parks and rec and the office yeah yes so the office was doing well for them but parks and rec was sort of just keeping them there yeah, community just. was sort of just hanging on <laughs> yeah. but they couldn't get these mega hits they used to mm. have and that's changed so much seen like cbs those kind of very traditional comedies, laugh tracks, and all that stuff. Um, it was, I mean, CBS was bringing in the big numbers, mm. whereas NBC was just struggling, I guess. That's it. Uh, do you have any specific points, anything you really want to talk about um, before I, so I can stop well, dominating the conversation? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of touched on it, was like it was before its time. I mean, we were having like Dawson's Creek, which Busy Phillips went on to work on, and we had like 90210. Was Dawson's Creek after this? It was 98, I think. Yeah, I thought it was just so, before. Oh, right. So, so just, she went so we, from this to the to, latest seasons of Dawson's ah, Creek. I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because like she seems a bit older in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's the thing. A couple of years and all these people are going to go looking looking like teenagers to looking like adults. Yeah. Like they're right on the cusp. <laughs> Where Jason Siegel looks absurd compared to some of them. But right. he's just a lanky guy. He is. But like all of them are right. Lindsay sometimes mm-hmm. will look at and go, you just got a couple too many lines. Except for Neil. I'm pretty sure he still looks the same. Yeah, he hasn't changed. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, we were having like, yeah, these very... very I guess traditional teen soaps to something new. Yeah. And I guess people just weren't ready for it. It was jarring to them. They didn't quite they knew the rhythm of what a show like that was meant to be and for a lot of the audience it just they were missing that rhythm and they didn't have it so they passed on it, I guess. There's a certain DNA it even shares with Buffy which would been a couple of years mm. old at that stage because it was 97 Buffy started, was it? Oh, I thought it was Maybe it was 99. No, no, I, I thought think it was 98. 98, as well. maybe. Right, so similar, right? So around the same time. Maybe Dawson's Creek was 99. Anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah and it's that, there's, there's like that, I don't know. Yeah, I think Buffy was a pretty big hit straight away. It didn't take, or it had enough of a following anyway. It was also on the WB or whatever it was yeah. at the time, which is a tiny cable channel. Yeah, true. It wasn't an NBC. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just. All the research I did, there was nothing really conclusive about. The biggest thing seemed to be that it was being moved around a lot, mm. and that like I've that's a story you hear so often with these great shows that get cancelled that just cannot Why find does their it footing. Always happen. The the other thing Why? I Why? I don't understand. Was so what I was saying before about the the network wanted to be more aspirational, more about popular kids, wanted to make them cooler and stuff. Mm. Was that the person that there was a change in leadership essentially? Right. So the person who ordered the series mm-hmm. had left someone else to come in and he didn't understand what the show was or what he wanted to be. He didn't right. know where to put it. He didn't know what to do with it. Mm. So eventually it gets tossed in the bin, basically. So doesn't see potential. It is very sad. Mm. It's, as is the case with all these, it comes down to network politics and people not getting the show. Mm. Uh, Firefly, I miss you. Um, anything else in particular? Um, well, just going to the fact that it 
ended uh, so quickly yep. before we could really kind of get our teeth into um, more of the story. I, I want to ask you, do you think, is it a true tragedy that it ended as early as it did? Or is it because it only had the one season that it can be seen as being so perfect, so I, wonderful? I think it's a tragedy that it ended when it did, mainly because I think the show is really getting somewhere more interesting with its characters. Mm. I think there's a few episodes in that early run, which is the case with a lot of first seasons that aren't hundred aren't really that great, really. They're not bad by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but are maybe a little more conventional or maybe a little bit sort of light on... A bit filler episode Fillery yeah. or whatever. And right as it get like, I actually think the ending point is, if, like, for a forced ending point, it's not terrible. Mm. If the place you leave me is, Lindsay makes a pretty huge rebellious decision, decides to go on tour with... Grateful Dead, Grateful man. Dead, with, with Kim. Kim in particular, yeah. and Kim goes without Daniel. That's a pretty cool place to I leave our that. characters. Yeah. I love that Daniel was maybe starting to find... <gasps> Dean. Yeah, yeah, another dimension to his character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, moving beyond his, yeah, sort of cool, laid back. It's okay attitude. just to have fun and yeah. enjoy something. Yeah. Um, and that the and the geeks as well were connecting with someone mm-hmm. like Daniel a little bit was cool place to end it. In terms of where it ends for like Lindsay and Nick, yeah. Nick spits whatever. He's probably the most tragic ending, really, because he's stuck doing disco. <laughs> he's stuck at least in till, a loveless at least that, relationship. At least for that week. And then yeah. Seth Rogen's character is he's it's, barely been affected. He's got a girlfriend. He's his lady. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, it could have been a lot worse places. Yes. Um, there is at least some feeling of like... The feeling of closure in a way. Yeah. And like the, the feeling that these characters are going to eventually get what they're searching for. That they are definitely on the path to not redemption is what we're looking forward, but happiness mm. and success in well, whatever. If it's a journey about finding yourself, finding yeah. your place, it's okay to just see the first few steps. You don't necessarily need the big like, now I'm this. It's like it doesn't feel super sad to me to end it there. No, no, it could have been yeah. I'm yeah. I'm glad to like kind of get an idea of where they're headed. That's okay for me. Yeah. Mm. It didn't feel like a cliffhanger either. In some ways no, I think you could have easily made the whole Lindsay didn't get on the bus and instead, you know, got in the got in the magic van or whatever you want to call it <laughs> off to Grateful Dead. That could have almost been a cliffhanger like And the then it drove off a cliff. Or the parents are gonna find out and mm. blah blah blah. But it's not like that. It's no. it's a it's a pretty hopeful sort of Yeah, like, it's very happy and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they presented it in a way that was satisfying enough. Mm-hmm. But from a more meta, like the sh- how was the show going at that stage, what what promise was left, there was so much. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it was just starting to get to I like I wanna know I would love to have seen what happened with Daniel and the Geeks. I would love to have seen mm-hmm. what happened when Lindsay got back from that summer away. I would love to have seen what was gonna happen with Kim and Daniel. Would have loved to have seen what was gonna happen with Nick. And the fact that we didn't, right as things were getting at their most interesting, is it's disappointing. Disappointing. It's sad. Mm. It's it's. I think it's okay to to mourn that loss, but it's like, yeah, it maybe it helps that we didn't. Uh, I wonder if it would have been worse if we got a full season or a full season and a half before it got cancelled. Like, would that have been worse if there was more stop, like, ability to build up? Season. Yeah, just I, it even feels like they were able to wrap up. Like the Cindy thing got resolved. Which is surprising. Mm. Like, yeah, that's true. That was so much of Sam's narrative 
thrust. And then we actually got resolution for I mean, that. he had a full arc in he did. this season. A mm-hmm. full arc. That's pretty yeah, cool. That is very good. Um, and even Neil's thing to a degree, just by, like, it's not necessarily a happy resolution, but mm. knowing that the mum knows and knowing that the brother knows and knowing how they're dealing with it and that doesn't the make mother him happy. has pretty much stated that, like, you're just waiting until you're gone and then some, we might change yeah. Some things. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, just no, enough, that's, that's... enough little, enough given to make you go, oh, I can, I can, yeah. t- that's enough for me. I can Yeah, that's it. a good point. If we've got two seasons, so we had the first season where we like first get to know these characters to a certain extent and yep. then the second season where we really delve in. Where things start, then, where there's a lot, few more stakes, yeah. where things start to feel And then when you really time. fall in love with characters yeah. and then it got cancelled, that would be more de- devastating to me. And that's, that's where... If there is any sadness, it's more in the potential. Like it's more oh, like of course, what yes. might have been, mm-hmm. not what did I miss. Like you do wonder what you missed out on, but but I wasn't promised too much yet. Yes. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's more like God, this show was on track to be something really, really yeah. special. It was, it was it great. Wish I could see more, but it's yeah. not like it was great, and I was promised more. See, that was the thing that Firefly had right. Firefly mm. had started to set up lots of like yeah. narrative. It was threads. a big world, yeah, yeah, big world with a lot of characters with a lot of really big mysteries and depth mm. behind them and questions to be answered. And so there was just so much like, oh, I will never get to find out this or what that was. Yeah. And you just felt like that whole thing was ripped away from you. See, that felt like a broken promise, that one. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Because it because the, there was so much promise. There yes. was so much yeah. So much just in the foundations of the show going. It sounded in- like you're about to cry. You weren't. You no, were just sorry. doing a burp. Yeah. So I just want to clear that up for the audience. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you could see that there was stuff that was going to come out two, three, four seasons mm. from now that we never got to see. We, we were lucky to get the Serenity movie and even some comics yeah. to help to wrap up. And I think up it, like, it also, because we knew Joss Whedon's work before, yeah. we knew that if he's setting something up in season one, you might not see that until season four, but if you do, it's going to be awesome when you, no, you will, and it's going to be awesome when you see it. Yeah. Um. So we already knew that that's how he plays his series, is he like plays the long game. Whereas we didn't necessarily at the time, when it was coming out like no Judd Apatow TV work or Paul Feig's yeah. TV work. Have they, they haven't done any TV since, have they? Um, no, I think both of them have had stuff since. They had, un, I want to say undeclared or un, there was another show, I can't remember. There was one about college that, oh. which wasn't very good, apparently. Oh, no, that, involved, one. that involved a few of the alumni from this show, like Jason Siegel had been in oh, it. Oh, yes, undeclared. Stuff. Yeah, that got cancelled as well. Yeah, it did yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that, yeah. Yeah. And that felt like it was them trying. Well, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like that was them trying to recapture some I've of what Freaks and Geeks trying to do. I was was saying just that. Was yeah, that he one show was taken away from him, so he decided to do one that was very similar. Yeah, so he could continue. Yeah, basically, um, we could talk about forever about Firefly as well, but yeah, boy, that show just just as it was starting to do some really cool things. Mm, anyway, that one's really sad. That's yeah. a, we'll talk about that one day. <laughs> When uh, we're emotionally ready, we'll talk about that one. <laughs> so we'll see you Never. in fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. I one thing I also liked about this show was we've already talked about the depth of the characters in terms of their backstories and their complex people. There's very few saintly good people on this show, and there's very few mm. completely rotten, awful, have no redeeming feet characteristics whatsoever characters. Like, I like that it'd be so easy to paint the jock guys as all being awful, and they can be bullies and stuff at times, mm. but there's the one that Cindy was dating who quite likes Sam, 
and like is kind yeah, to he Sam. Didn't, he didn't want to be a dick yeah. when Sam was in the group. Although when he was whenever- in the group, and also there was a point when when he was doing the cheerleading stuff, mm. there was like he was a like, nice interaction really there. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a point towards the end where he's running through the hall with his buddies, and, and they. Yeah. Yeah, smash their books or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, not saying that they, obviously, they're still, like, the jocks have to be. Yeah. My question was, like, how many bullies does this school have? <laughs> Good Lord, they're everywhere. You can't hide from them. Well, that, who was the other one? I can't remember that guy's name. The that... guy who secretly wanted to be a nerd? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's... I want to know more about him. Yeah, he was a really interesting character. Yeah. By the time they got to the episode where he put fucking peanuts in Bill's sandwich, which you <gasps> go now and just go, you're, that's fucked man yeah that moment really where up. he talks about how much he actually wanted is into sci-fi and yeah he's like you guys always like doesn't yeah, make didn't him, include me doesn't make him you don't forgive him of course not but you empathize with him but you have some understanding of mm. him and that's he's not just a because in that first couple of episodes he's just a cartoon villain yeah. it's great they were able to get past that cindy is has plenty of issues the the geeks themselves within their own group Bill is not a perfect guy. The way no. he the way he treats Coach what's his C- Coach Biff um, <laughs> is mm. not great. He's sort of no, like you understand it, but he's a bit of a dick about the whole thing. And of course like, he is. Yeah, he's you know his space is being invaded, his sacred space of home. And I honestly think my favorite character in the entire show. Well, I think Bill might be. Bill he, is definitely my favorite. He's actor. the most adorable and the funniest, and just Martin Starr has all the, the best line de- lines delivery. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's incredible. I love Bill, but I love Kim Kelly as well. I yeah. love because did you know that uh, Kim Kelly is my friend? That mm. episode four, or whatever it was, wasn't in, didn't make it on the to air originally. Oh, really? That was one of the ones that didn't or- originally make oh. it on air. Got cancelled. They just had pulled it from the run. Mm. And wasn't presented till later, which to me baffles me because that episode is so important. You need that, yeah. For establishing why Lindsay and Kim would be friends at all. Mm-hmm. You need that episode. Yeah. It does so much to make from her being just completely antagonistic towards Lindsay to them being very quite friends. chummy. Yeah. It's hugely important. Um, it's so weird. Yeah, isn't it crazy? I really don't understand a lot of the choices that networks make when it comes to shows. Anyway, yeah. we've but already spoken about that. I Yeah, I just love... Every every single character, bar maybe the math teacher, who's a just complete douchebag. Oh, uh, yeah, he's awful. Is he's a terrible person. Terrible human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just shouldn't be teaching. No. Just find another job. You don't have to be around kids if you don't like kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although it, Yeah. I guess the argument you could make about him is maybe he's actually not bad at being a math teacher. He's just uh, when it comes to kids who are actually going to to pay attention. He's just got no time for anyone who's a burnout. Well, anyone can teach a kid that loves something. You know what I mean? It takes a really it takes a really good teacher to inspire kids that it's Definitely. hard for. Yeah, sure. And he does not want to do that. I'm, I'm looking which for makes any, you a bad teacher. I'm looking for any angle on him. Just because he's the one <laughs> exception I can think of yeah. of just being an outright awful person. Mm. Um, I really like that. That... Even the bullies have some redeeming qualities, mm-hmm. and even our heroes. I mean, that's just good wankers. story writing. It just gets that's the you, basics we, right there, but so many people miss it. It gets missed. Yeah, it really does. It, it's amazing how often that stuff goes by. Mm. And then ultimately, I think the secret ingredient of the show is that just, and like we always talk about, we want to care, and mm-hmm. the show is full of heart. Ultimately, heart and humor. It's heart so humor. well balanced, and yeah. I can't commend them on doing that enough. I mean, that they're the shows that I love. Yes. Is, a big heart surrounded by a huge blob of humour so I can digest it a little easier. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. It's perfect. 
Well, it not re- perfect, but it's great. It's really, really good. Yeah. And I, the Mr. Weir can be very <laughs> prickly and like, yeah, like hard to sympathise with, but mm. you. You know he's got the best intentions of at all times. Of course. He's, I mean, he's a good dad. And, I mean, for the, for the most part. I yeah. mean, he wants to protect his kids and he provides for them the best that he can. And I think my favourite episode of his is the one where Nick's staying over. And he's yeah. giving all this help and these concessions mm. to to Nick. That Lindsay, understandably, is like, where the hell is this treatment for me? Yeah. And then he's You don't just, have that levity when I have issues and just want to... Yeah. Yeah, talk to someone about it. And then that resolution where they have that little chat. Which is, you know, very honest. Like, well, I'm always afraid when it comes to you because you're the most important thing in the world to me. Did you, how do you feel about things like gender politics and stuff like that in this show? Specifically, what do you, what do you, oh, I'm just, that just reminded me of things that little things would come up every now and then about either there's a lot of insulting of boys and calling them girls and Mm -hmm. women. That comes up a lot. Um, There's things like that where he talks about how he's afraid. And it seems like he's specifically talking about the fact that she's a girl as well. Right. More than just his daughter, more that she is a daughter. Right. I I think is, can be Mm -hmm. read into that little, a little bit. Yeah. Then there's that episode about uh, Seth Rogen's girlfriend um, mm. who is intersex. Is intersex, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like playing with just I, it's it just mm. goes to some really interesting places. Yeah, I'm not I, sure if it when was when it comes to the gender politics stuff. I think this is a period piece. Mm. It takes place in 1980. Well, that was one of the things. And that's I really think interesting. you know when I have seen stories or read stories that take place in that time. Bullying, when it comes to boys, was mm-hmm. really about you're gay or you're a girl. Yep. That's what it was about. Yep. Um, so, to have that, that makes sense. But then to also see the effect that has on the people you're, that are being bullied with that, like, that's the story. It's not like, it's not um, saying, you know, it's a good thing, obviously. So, I think that's it just makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and as for the intersex stuff, I found that really interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Now, obviously, good. I am not intersex, so I, yeah. there might be some really inappropriate and hurtful things in there that I can't see. Mm-hmm. And I'm fully willing to hear that. Um, but from my perspective at the moment, from what I know, I can understand a young man having his first girlfriend finds out that his girlfriend is intersex before the word intersex was really in anyone's vocabulary finding that out, being incredibly confused by that and wondering, does that make me a homosexual? Yeah. Now, of course it doesn't, Yeah. but I can see why that question would be there. And I also loved that Seth Rogen's character wasn't like, oh, no, I'm a faggot. He's like, oh, well, if I'm gay, maybe I should explore that and yeah. see if I am. And yeah. it didn't seem to come from a huge amount of fear. He was just like ch- checking. Yeah. And I think that was it was confusion. It was yeah. yeah, uncertainty. And I think that's yeah. natural. Yeah. I was actually watching a um a YouTube channel the other day and it was a uh, a little vlog thing and it's um two girls who are friends and their male friend and just randomly it came up he was like, "Oh yeah, like I've I've kissed like a male friend just to check. Like when I was younger, you just like you just kind of look at each other like, "Oh, should we check?" Because we really care about each other. Maybe we're gay. And it's like, it's like I think that's part of growing up is just like sure. figuring out exactly what is romantic, what's platonic, mm-hmm. where exactly do I stand? I think it's perfectly natural. And I don't think it came at the expense of the intersex person, which is also really important. No, I don't think it did at all. Um... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Did you like the scene with him and Sam in the bathroom where he, Sam's like talking about all the things that like he's with this smoking hot babe essentially <laughs> as they're talking about, but he has nothing in common yeah. with her and he's like, well, I, I do like her. I'm attracted to her. We mm. get along really well. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah, like, exactly. That's pretty cool. And I, yeah, I think it also tied back into when I think her name's Maureen joined the Geeks, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the pretty girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Geeks are very enamored by her, and I think yeah, they're talking about oh, is this what being a girlfriend is like? Like, you just get to hang out with them all the time, and you have a really good time. Yeah, and I was like. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's, you know, what Seth Rogen's character, I can't remember his name, I'm so sorry, um, is going through. He's like, and Sam is realizing that he doesn't have, he doesn't have anything in common with her. He doesn't have a good time with her. Therefore, probably doesn't make sense for her to be his girlfriend. Mm. Mm. Um, It also helps in terms of a gender politics thing to understand what the show's trying to do. The, the, The lead character is a woman, is female, a girl, Mm -hmm. which is helpful as well. Lindsay, who is extremely talented, smart, mm. and also is the her rebellious streak is absolutely celebrated alongside her intelligence. Mm-hmm. Everything about her character is a, po- a positive, ultimately, that she's just trying to figure out how to make it all work. Yes. I really like that none of those things... the Her being smart is never a negative thing. Her being rebellious is only a negative thing from the sense of, well, what are you throwing away potentially here? But well, it's there's a lot celebrated yeah. there that I love. Oh, like to me, that's the the bottom line of this show is that rebellion is important and something that should be embraced and understood when mm. it comes to young people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a negative in the world as a whole, but yes. this show does a beautiful thing in which it shows what kids, what teenagers see as being the end of the world, the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. being that you're smart and so you have to hang out with the yeah. smart kids. It doesn't matter who you are on the inside. If you're smart, this is your place. Yeah. And, I mean, I certainly wasn't Lindsay-level intelligent, but I was always in, like, the geeky classes and stuff and the after-school, doing the after-school things. And I was really into it, but also, like, it fueled inside me a big um, rebellious streak because I was bored as fuck doing that and hanging out with those people. As much as they were, like, all nice and stuff. I was like, no, I actually, like, I want to know what it means, like, smoke. What does that mean? Or have a beer. Oh, my God. So, like, yeah, I, I really identify with Lindsay, which is pretty rare, rare for me because yeah. I love teen dramas, let's be honest. I'm a big One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek fan. Um, but this is very – but I don't identify with people in that show, you know, all those shows. Whereas yeah, Lindsay totally. I can identify with. It makes sense because when you're a kid, when you're watching this show and as an adult you see things like, 
you know, you, you dress slightly funny or you're having like a bad hair day or whatever it might be. And it's the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And it is for the kids on the show, the worst thing in the world. And so you empathize and you remember that that's actually how you thought. But it doesn't necessarily, whereas those other teen shows kind of, when a character in those shows are like, this is the worst thing in the world, you're actually meant to think that it's yeah, the worst yeah, thing in yeah. the world. And this show doesn't do that, which is great. There's a great, that great scene in the last episode with the AV teacher guy mm. who has the discussion with the nerds about like, they're, they're here. <laughs> this is their peaking right now, but your peak is yet to come. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting because that was, he was a character that got introduced at the very end yeah. and almost feels like that that was done specifically because they want someone to have this talk because while we won't get to see this happen for them, mm. We they wanted the show wanted to reassure us. Don't worry, of course that's coming for them. Mm. Like we all know, and you should know, and take comfort in the fact that of course these guys are going to end up being fine with their mm. older. Sadly, you won't get to see the and we, rest of their journey through high school, which was going to yeah, be. Yeah, we also but- see a little hint of that when we meet Neil's older brother. Yes, who yes. says that you know he was bullied in high school and it was awful for him, but he didn't go to college being like, hey, I was the geeky guy that had no friends. He yeah. went he went to college and he met a bunch of new people and had great new experiences yeah. and he's really enjoying himself, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. They show there's a lot of hope mm-hmm. for while this is always remember that there's this is temporary. This is not as big a deal yeah. as you think it is and stuff like that. Which I think is it's obviously very hard to remember or even realize when you're that age. So a show with that message, so like actually see what it feels like to be down in the dumps at that age mm-hmm. with issues that kids are actually facing at that age and then also have the message of like, it's actually kind of funny and it's not the end of the world and things go on and either you forget or you look back and laugh. I think that's a really important message yeah. instead of just these stupid aspirational teens who have everything stories yeah. that we get now. Absolutely. Mm. Um, is there anything about, I don't know, the narrative or the writing or specific elements of the show on a more production meta level that you want to talk about? Because I don't have a lot. Or even just like the plot in general. I don't have a lot because it's so episodic and there's mm. not, there's really, we're just starting to get to know these people in a lot of ways. They're just sort of coming into, they're building towards what's going to then become the major narrative thrust going forward. There's, mm. I don't know if there's a whole lot to dive into. Uh, let me Beyond sh- the thematic side of things. I wish I could, like, the show is obviously very funny at times, made, there's some good writing in there and some great performances from people mm-hmm. like Martin Starr, which is really good. It's, we've already mm-hmm. talked about how relatable it is. I don't have any specific examples written down. Just He just had a really great dry wit. You talked about one of your favourite scenes earlier today of Martin Starr's. One of the reasons you love Bill. Oh, yeah, my favourite scene in the whole show, actually, is when... Um, oh, that's Colin Martin. When Bill comes home after he's had a hard day at school, he had gym class. It was very tough for him because that's not where he naturally excels. Yep. Uh, he comes home. He's, you know, his mum's obviously out working. He comes home. He makes a grilled cheese sandwich. He has his drink and he just plops down on the couch in front of the TV and just starts watching TV and just is having the time of his life. He yeah. is just laughing, just like unencumbered like nothing negative is touching him he's just so happy mm-hmm. and I was like fuck that was me because I like would go to school and be incredibly awkward and like and I always loved school because mm-hmm. I loved learning and I was a nerd and that was fun for me but then when I would go home and watch like after school thing I'd have my snacks god I ate so much back then I actually still do who am I kidding <laughs> um I'd sit on the couch and I would just like 
just be t- totally immersed and that was my happy place. So yeah. to watch that and see his face and see him laughing so much, I'm like, yeah, that was me after school. That was like my home is like my safe space and it still is now. Like I'm a, a total introvert and that's like my little nest and I love it. So mm-hmm. I was just like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And I, I just love Bill anyway. So to see him so happy and so relatable, I was like, yeah, tick, tick, tick on that scene. Maybe this is a good way to approach it. Mm-hmm. Maybe just let's talk about some of our favorite scenes or favorite moments. I love the, I'm a real big fan of the episode um, where the sex ed one, where Sam doesn't know like mm. the vagina or where <laughs> ovaries are and stuff so like that. So embarrassing. Oh, I remember sex ed. It was just, and then they had, there's two good, great scenes also, in that one. Also, pretty much entirely unhelpful for a lesbian. Anyway. Yeah, on. true. <laughs> the I don't, didn't get taught about dental dance and stuff like that? No, amazingly not. We did. You we, got taught about dental dance? Yeah, we knew about dental dance and stuff like that. It no. was, um, it was barely. I mean, the thing was we got taught about dental dance and then the teacher thought we were so mature she didn't teach us about condoms. So, what was... <laughs> What the fuck so was- she was exclusively teaching lesbians. <laughs> I was at the wrong school at that point, obviously. The- no, I doubt they would teach about dental dams in Queensland. Yeah, true. Mm. The so there was in that episode. There's the one they get the porn film from Daniel, mm-hmm. and that scene is fucking hilarious with the three boys and yeah. just watching them get further and further away from the screen <laughs> and just and like just getting, kind of crawl into themselves yeah. and just be like this is normal except this for neil normal. who's just like he's like this oh, guy okay. has the best job in the yeah, world he's like taking notes like yep okay all right i need to contact an agent in the morning um, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah and then subsequently the scene where I can't remember the coach's name, but Sam's in the room with Coach Biff. Mm. I really like, of all the teachers, he was, I found the most compelling because he's, he's he's not great at all the time, but he's he's great when he needs to be. I love that he's a dumb jock. He really, he's a dumb jock, but he, he cares. And while he might not see how everyone might be suffering or how his actions affect those around him or some of those people around him, he does have a good heart. And when someone goes, hey, actually what you're doing is hurtful, he's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realise I'm so sorry. Which is really sweet and lovely. But you expect him to be the bad guy because that's who those teachers always are in these kind of shows. The um, Because you have the guidance counsellor who is just (laughs) like for all his theoretically male What's the guy from um, South Park? Mr. Garrison. No, not Mr. Garrison. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. The hey, guys. Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey, yeah. Yeah. Marijuana. Yeah, like he's yeah. pretty much okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, who is trying to like help these kids and seems, seems to make things worse more than better most of the time. Mm. Uh, except for maybe the Grateful Dead soundtrack given to Lindsay. The, the Coach Biff, I'll call him, that scene with Sam in the back room where he's like, okay, listen, now I really shouldn't be telling you about yeah. this stuff. And you just see, again, it's done in montage and we never see what they're actually talking about, but Sam's face go from horror to really genuine laughter and yeah. jo- and like finding it funny and becoming more comfortable in his yeah. own skin is really it's great It's really scene. lovely to see. Like he's like sitting down and just having like a conversation like normal people like, well, this is the thing that people do. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And sometimes it's a bit funny. And when you talk about it, it's actually quite funny. And it's, it's so lighthearted and it's a really beautiful moment. Yeah. The Do you have any other favorite moments specifically that you can think of? Um, I liked the scene of in the last episode of Lindsay listening to The Grateful Dead. And like sort of dancing mm. in a room. That was quite nice. Actually, just the music in general is very, feels not having grown up in the early 80s, I'm not sure, but it felt very authentic to the time. Mm. And that's, um, that's very enjoyable. I love when the boys are playing baseball. That's great. And they great. finally get to 
get picked, like pick the teams. Yes. That like that made me really emotional. I was like, this is so beautiful. How much do you want Bill to catch that ball as well? So badly. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh no, are they going to subvert my expectations? He's going to drop it. Oh no. Oh no. I was really worried. Well, the, the the they get both. They're actually able to have their cake and eat it too because they have their moment of triumph, and everyone's like, guys, that's yeah. first out. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not they didn't win the match. But I was like, still so proud because I'm like, and, it doesn't. That's and they not the were, point. and they were yeah. too, it and that's matter. fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it didn't matter. He caught the ball, which exactly. was amazing. He got to prove that he could do it. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes was when they were doing the designated driver improv. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is exactly what those assemblies were like. It's yes. just ridiculous. And I was always like one of the drama kids in it. Um, and just uh, Millie's line of like, I think she's killed someone at this point. She's like, I didn't want to hurt anyone. Like, it's so serious. They're playing it so yeah, straight, yeah, which yeah. I just, I loved. And also just like when the council would come up, come in and be like, freeze. And they like, yes. freeze mid-war. Yes. <laughs> so good. I love that. Yeah. That Millie, Millie is an interesting character. Mm. She was, she was funny because there were sometimes you're like, oh, get out of the way, Millie. And other times you're like, oh, Millie, you're a really good friend. Yeah. You're really lovely. And sometimes helpful. I'm like, fucking hate you, Millie. And yes. sometimes I'm like, I was Millie in high school because mm. I was religious in high school. Right. So I was like, oh no, I think I was that person. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. Uh, another moment is when um, Sam and Lindsay's mum tells Lindsay to tell your brother he has a beautiful body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a beautiful body, Sam. <laughs> Which is, just, of course, a mum would make you say that, even though yep. it's the weirdest thing in the world to say. Yeah. Do you have any other moments? I don't know. I think there are probably more that I'm not thinking off the top mm. of my head. It was, I think it was full of moments. There was a lot of really great montages to music. There was a lot of great little sweet moments between um, the parents and the kids. Mm. I like when... I really like the scene for some reason when Sam is with Cindy and they're doing the thing for yearbook and they go to get ads from Sam's dad. And when he finally figures out what... Mm. Sam is interested in Cindy and like... He's like, oh, goes, damn it. But well, there's, there's the two moments. There's the... Um, there's a moment where he's like, oh, well, I know I'll buy a whole page. Yeah, it's like, dad, yes, you got it. You rock. And then he's and like, then he you'll save time if you split up. And you're just like, you idiot, dad. <laughs> Such a <laughs> dad moment. I really like that scene. Mm, and yeah, that's d- just It's little things like that that feel mm. very genuine and very dorky mm. and silly. So but we were really talking good. about Please Like Me and you really identify with the parents in that show. Yeah, those I parents remind really, me. Because they don't. They don't look like my parents. Oh, they don't act like my parents sure. at all. Whereas uh, the weird parents are much more like my parents. Ah, okay, um, interesting. So I remember like a subject would be brought up at the dinner table and my dad, if it wasn't within the, the Christian values, it would somehow like most likely end up in someone dying. Right. You'd be like, oh, you know. Like, like I oh, actually, this was on the podcast when we were recording something else earlier. I was saying that I went to a sleepover and we watched The Exorcist Yeah, and then the next day I came home and told dad that I had watched The Exorcist and he's like, you shouldn't mess around with that stuff you know it's real, right? It's terrifying, I was 14, I was like, oh fuck didn't sleep for months so like that's kind of where my dad uh, dad was at, was very protective of his daughter so everything was around the corner was going to kill me so yeah. Another, yeah see, that's, that it must be, again, just different being a boy and a girl, mm. like mm. That wasn't an issue at all. Yeah. Feel sorry for you. Thanks. The <laughs> no, I, look, I got it pretty good. I'll be honest with you. The other scene that does come to mind straight away is just the. I, I did like actually no. Sorry, thinking about two of them. There is the scene where they're hanging out with what's the girl that hangs around with the nerds for a while, Maureen, Maureen and they're doing the stuff with the rocket. I loved it. That's such a such it. a great scene. It's so mm-hmm. pure yeah. and just so they're beautiful. Having so much fun. They it's, are when they after. 
She is that. too. I love that there's nothing cynical about her no, enjoyment with them. No, she's having fun. Because it easily could have turned around that she was like yeah. using them for some oh, reason I or whatever. I secretly hated you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. And mm-hmm. there wasn't it at all. Yeah. And I also, that's another character I identified with because I moved around quite a bit when mm. I was younger. And like being that new person is really hard. And I would always go to like the nerdy people first because they were always so inviting and like, yeah. oh, hey, of course you can hang out with us. Yeah. And they were always really genuine lovely people who are really into stuff. So it was easy to be like, oh, cool. I'm interested. Like, let's check what that is. Yeah. About things. Well, that right. was the other scene was the D&D stuff. Towards mm. the end, I really wish there was more of that in that last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, there are, there's, I want to see so much more of that D&D night. More yeah. than just him, more than just Daniel sort of like getting his dwarf character, becoming okay with that, giving her a name. <laughs> and then him at the end having obviously loved it. It's like, Show me him getting yeah. to love that because I love D and D, and that should be mm. that would be awesome. I would have loved to seen his the moment where he feels like he's accomplished something. Yeah, yeah, that would have been really beautiful. Yeah, mm. that he got to like had a problem, got to sort of like, well, what if I do this and it works? Mm. And he starts to like, oh, you know, actually, like, that's really not cool, only Daniel, is yeah. this fun, but I. I'm good at this mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm good, you know, I yeah. can be good at this. Maybe some critical thinking when it's outside of a classroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. That, so that's, again, that's another example of like, because he talked about, hey, let's do this again tomorrow. We may have theoretically seen more of that too. Nah, don't uh, yeah, don't, let's not get there. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. It's, again, I feel like we haven't talked about like the narrative at all, but it's, I don't think that's ultimately what's so great about the show. It's just... Beautifully, really well written, really think, well acted, yeah, it's a really well. Lovely collection of characters that you want to watch and you yeah. want to spend time with. And because it was only, we're only just getting to know them, it, mm. you, yeah, that's what this was. I got to know a bunch of cool people and um, it sucks that I won't get to meet them again, but it was fun while it lasted, sort of thing. And, you know, if Judd Apatow and Paul Feig want to do a Where Are They Now season on Netflix, in which we meet these characters when they're. I, I think you could do a movie. Age. I don't think you could do a series. I reckon I could see like a reunion back at high school movie sort of thing where like say No, I reckon you could do a series. Nah, I don't I don't know. I don't trust I don't trust it. It's too easy to, to fuck that up. It's too easy to make Fuller mm. House or Arrest Development season 4. You're really cynical. <laughs> I am. I am really cynical. The mm. I we talked about this it's on another podcast. It's not going to be a fuller house. No, okay, it won't be that bad. But jeez, but that's a steaming pile of feces. But the the uh, we talked about this. I think on, I think it was last podcast. I think it was about Twin Peaks because that's obviously reu- like a, a return to that mm. twenty five years later. That if they say did Firefly a sequel series to Firefly, mm. I would be excited. Because mm-hmm. of the potential and getting mm. to go back to those characters, but terrified that right. that if that was no good, it does unfortunately tend to taint the things that came before it. Do you really want to mess? Like as much as it kind of hurts, it hurts in a good way that we mm. didn't get the rest of it because it never got to be bad. Yeah. And would you ever? Do you want to run the risk of that sequel series being bad? Because that would well, you would always have that bitter taste. No, well we that's the cakes. thing. It's not like. Do it just because you can. Do it because you have a story to tell. Well, that's the only reason I would want it ever done. Yeah, of course, which is what I'm saying. Sure. So I don't want it to exist just to exist. Okay. I want it because I I think they're great characters. I'm very interested in them. And I think there is stories to tell there with these people. Mm. And so I would like to see that. If do they you, have the ability to do it, do it. If, if it was called Freaks and Geeks still, right? Mm. Do you think as... 
you know, 20 years later, wherever one you want to set it, because obviously these people have aged that much since then, 20 years, yeah. What's that? The early noughties, yeah, yeah. So, well, it would be the early 2000s for them. It would be like the, it would be basically the start of the new millennium. So, exactly what I said, early noughties, yeah. Oh, sorry, noughties. I thought you said 90s. No. Sorry, my bad. Yes, early noughties. Mm-hmm. The, uh, do, like, what's the, what's the oh, pitch the fashion. there? fashion. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I literally just thought of it then. I don't know. I, I have to give it more thought. Outside the high school setting, I'm just, I'm very, very cynical of the idea. Right. If you go back in time, de-age these people 20 years and de-age, make it. Well, the technology is getting there. Yeah, sure. Um, that I would did like to see. Did you see Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy I Volume did. 2? It, was very it looks impressive. pretty good. It, it was. Apparently, Jack Sparrow in the fifth Jack Sparrow film, there's a flashback to when he's younger that's not too bad as well. And like, you mean Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that what I said? I said Jack Sparrow series? Yeah. It's basically the same. That's We all know that's what, what it is disaster. now. What a disaster. Can people please just stop hiring Johnny Depp? At this point, he's, he's, he's done. terrible. He had, a, he had a good run for a while. He is overcooked. He is now. He's done. Yeah, yeah he yeah. is done. He's yeah. Put a put a fork in him. <laughs> he's done. Put a fork in him. It'll get stuck because he's so dry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready to start wrapping this up. Yes. Um. I've got some quick fire comments. How about you, Damas? I've got a few. Yeah. Not many, but a I few. I don't have as many as I often do, but I'm going to start. All right. I'll give right. you the buzzer. Oh, actually, I have something. Just a a little comment. Yeah. Sure. Them. Go for it. Because this is the second time I've watched. This yeah, show. this is your second, my first. I'm yeah. Um, so I first watched this when I was 21 and I really liked it. I didn't love it, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then, and I remember thinking it was a really cool, cynical show. And then I rewatched it as a woman who's on the cusp of 30. And I watched it, I was like, this feels actually really sentimental. Far more sentimental than I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly felt very, I thought it was very sentimental. Yeah, right. So uh, maybe it was just my age. Like I wasn't that far what? out of high school that I was like, yeah, this is a really cool, edgy version of high school, man. And now I watch it, I'm like, oh, no, I just feel like sentimentality and nostalgia for it. Is That that might be, that totally could be an age thing, I, though. I it's think the it difference might between be an age being thing. someone then who was living as a teenager and felt like, yeah, this is yeah. Well, I was sticking to the man. This yeah. is, sure, but close yeah. enough that it's yeah. you still felt felt close to that age yeah. group. And going, this feel, that's that story that was I never told about my age. I still feel the pain of being like looked at funny and it just breaking your heart. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now you look back on it 10 years later like, and go, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I think those. it might be an age thing. Yeah. And you look back with a lot. Yeah, I think that's, mm. yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's very sentimental now. Yeah. I think it's very nostalgic in a lot of ways. Yeah. As much as it does talk about you things know, that were painful I, at the time, I, you I look did, back with adult eyes. I had a weird reaction. Was oh, yeah. that watching all these kids, I was like, I can't wait to have kids. And like my kids invite their friends over. Yeah, like that actually excited that. me a little bit. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Well, it's we'll have sleepovers and I can, yeah. It's interesting at that age where you can be a parent now, yeah. right? And being yeah. like, not only do I identify with the kids, I've got to start thinking about what the parents are doing and mm. like, well, what would I do if when I'm a parent? Mm. Like, what's That's that? the thing is I was like, okay, what would my strategy be? Yeah, we're mm-hmm. in that, like what, what part of that is helpful and what part of that is wrong and yeah. what do I do to make sure I don't do that? And I hope I have a kid like Bill. I really hope I do. Yeah. He's he's like the perfect child. He's so beautiful. He's he so have a beautiful. real hard time in school. Like he might not these days though. That's the thing, right? Well, yeah. Nerdy and stuff is different these days. I also think Australia. I don't know well, about you, different. but bullies, bullying and stuff is not like it is in the US. Not at least the way it shows up in US mm. t- high school dramas. There's a difference between just being like 
I guess, geeky and sure. really interested in stuff and actually being nerdy and, like, not having any social skills. Yeah, that's true. And maybe, like, you know, things, like, that matter when you're a kid, like, smelling funny yeah, yeah, or, yeah. like, jo- having ugly Gordon? clothes. Gordon, Gordon is a really interesting yeah. character in this as well because he's Which is, a I total feel like social Everyone outcast. had that kid in school. Definitely, yeah. Um, and Same as back, Eugene. Is it, no, not Eugene. Is it Eugene? Eugene, yeah. yeah he's he's in, only in the first few episodes. He's got right? a cu- He shows up a right, couple of okay. different times, but mainly mm. it's those first couple of episodes. But yeah. he's another example of there was that kid who was a little bit mm. different as well. So I always remember, particularly in primary school, um, but I feel like in high school they either went to a different school. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, pri- but, maybe in high school. In primary school they were Yeah, around. but in primary school, like... Uh, Differently abled kids, mentally differently able. Is that? I don't. I'm sorry if I'm insulting. I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, Special needs kids. Yep. Were definitely more part of the community at school, and we always felt were taught at least a protective feeling about them. So I remember, like, it was always very inclusive, and everyone was looking out for them and making sure they were okay. Right. But in high school, they weren't there. Right. I I don't know where they went. Uh, there may have been a special school for them, or there Probably. may have been, yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, that's kind of totally off. No, that. no, that was good. Good. <laughs> if you think of anything else like that, this yeah. is going to be a for us a relatively short podcast. Oh so feel goodness. free to add to it. I guess. Listen, it's one season, eighteen episodes, and as we said, it was just beginning a story. Yeah. So there's not too much to talk about, especially when we're mainly just gushing. It's like really hard. We <laughs> well, don't have like, a whole lot. We can't lot. make fun of do, it. Well, okay. Let's maybe that's the thing. Before we do, what were the negatives of the show? What was it not doing? Um, I think a few episodes were felt like filler. They felt almost because okay. For an for an example, we had the episode where they have the keg, yeah, the keg party at yep. Lindsay and Sam's house. That felt like a show that I had seen before. Yes, and I was like, oh, cool, they're going to subvert it in some way, and in ways they did, mm-hmm. but it was still very similar the, to the, the things no that alcohol I'd seen thing was quite. Like make, changing it so it was non-alcoholic beer, mm. I thought was an interesting subversion in a way. But still, ultimately, because they placebo effect is I, what but works. But for me, like, sort of the subversion was... Because I, I feel like I could have seen that in another show in which okay. they, they switch the kegs. The subversion is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, like, yeah, even yeah, yeah, when yeah. Seth Rogen's character finds out, he's like, eh, whatever. Like, it's not, it's not really a consequence for them. Yeah. That's more the subversion for me, which works. But still, it felt very kind of, I've seen this before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, obviously TV was very different when this was made. So 18 episodes of 45 minutes is mm. normal mm-hmm. um, and expected. And that's just what you order, I guess. Well, I wasn't sure whether it was 18 episodes that were made and there was maybe meant to be 22 in that first season. Mm, yeah, I, maybe. I'm not sure it's obvious that that season but like was meant that to be what it did. general amount. Sure. Like, and that obviously... Because Buffy has like, it's, doesn't Buffy episode. have like 22, 23, maybe even 24 or 25 yeah, episodes in the like season? Yeah, and like The Office is similar and a lot yeah. of those network shows are very similar from that time period, the, the 90s to the mid-noughties, very similar. And even now, actually, like, I'm sure The Big Bang Theory gets like 24 oh, yeah. episodes or it's whatever. Um, yeah, so it sometimes it wasn't quite as sharp mm-hmm. as when people talk about how amazing this show is. It wasn't quite as sharp as I thought it would be or could be, but that just might be a sign of the times and that I've gotten used to television post Freaks and Geeks. I think, because I think that would be my big thing as well, mm. is that as there are so many people who either watched the time or have watched it since who seem to love it, completely mm. adore it. I talked about in the sort of breakdown earlier that 
there shows up on so many best TV shows ever, or mm. especially best cancelled TV shows list. And I like, I think it's really, really good. I get really it. Solid. I get why it's on those lists. I didn't wasn't necessarily going falling completely head over heels in love with it. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were there were a couple of episodes same as you. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty yeah. standard and I nothing. Think, yeah, too I amazing. enjoyed it more the second time round. Sure. Yeah, and but that, that might you just come lost, with age. Well, and sure. you would have had less less expectations because you'd already seen it. Yes, that's true. Whereas I'm living with this first time through, I have a lot of high expectations because of what I've been told about mm. it, constantly being told I need to watch this show. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it is very good. But I that's my only ding against it is like that I didn't outright adore it and love it completely yeah. and that's not a bad thing at all like that's like that's nothing mm. that's not I can't, it's not even a criticism I mean it's, it's always hard when expectations note. are so high exactly yeah yeah I mean and this and choosing to watch it after and as you said this well I live in a world post freaks and geeks where not only is Judd Apatow Paul Feig and everyone that was in the show doing stuff so I've seen all their work post mm. this everybody who loved that show has since gone and made television shows <laughs> exactly, and has yeah. added put freaks and geeks in their shows essentially mm. so I've seen the people who what's evolved from it and so you go backwards and it's always harder um, it's like when we were watching the first season of Twin Peaks yeah and we were like oh, I've seen this but a version of this that I can enjoy which is like I'm worried about going back and watching something like the X-Files in particular mm. because I think that I'm going to enjoy the X-Files a bit more than the first season of Twin Peaks because it's got a very episodic, like, monster mm-hmm. of the week sort of structure to it, which mm-hmm. I like. But also, I've since seen Stranger Things and Fringe, which might be the most blatant ripoff of X-Files possible, <laughs> which I adore, but right. has obviously had been able to look back and go, well, what can we do different or better than mm-hmm. X-Files? What can make our show, yep. what can we learn from it? Let's just take all the things that we loved about that and leave behind all the things that obviously didn't. Reach work. us in it yeah. or work, yeah. And so all these things that I've had a chance to, yeah, riff off and build mm. off what the X-Files did put the groundwork down for, like I'm going to go back and go, oh, I mm. liked it but I didn't love as much as Fringe and that yeah. sucks that I almost already know that. Can I say though, it will be very, it's very unlikely that we will ever have experience as bad as when, because Dead Like Me was on, on all these lists of like, shouldn't have been cancelled, cancelled too soon, what a tragedy. We watched it that and was we're like, a whole this other... is a piece of shit. Yeah. What is Everyone talking this, about it. did not understand it. This, I doubt that'll happen again. When I say I didn't outright love this, I certainly don't mean I disliked <laughs> it. I certainly don't. It, it's you don't it's, actively hate it. Like is, yeah, like it is. Yeah, it is. It is a gold standard, absolute top of the class show compared to Dead mm-hmm. Like Me. Yeah. Like I can see why right. this inspired so much love. Yeah. Yeah. And adoration. Like it, that makes sense to me. While I might not be at that level as the people who first watch it, I can certainly understand it, and I. Kind of, I really love it in my own way. And we talked about um, last week with Twin Peaks how I felt very lucky being able to watch this even this new season as it aired, mm. as compared to if I tried to watch it, you know, one year, two years, five years down the track, even. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people who were watching at the time and were trying to chase this show, they were really loving and identifying with. They got taken away from them. Oh, I get that with Firefly. Yeah, of course you like, would be like, oh, it's my I favorite thing. Totally, and Community, mm. I totally understand. The heartbreak there. Mm. I love that our talking about the negatives just turned into more gushing. Well, that's oh, that's the thing, <laughs> which is a great. Well, sign. I, it's well, it's funny because I I wish I could outright say what the negatives were because I didn't outright love it. Like mm. knowing that I, I I I'll say this now. I'm not giving it five stars, right? Yeah. And but I don't have a really eloquent way of saying 
what it was that was doing wrong, apart from a couple of pretty standard sort of run-of-the-mill episodes, mm. which you would expect of most first seasons yeah, of shows I'm that are trying sh- to yeah, find I'm themselves. I'm not sure that it was doing anything wrong. Yeah. I just don't think it met sometimes my high expectation. It wasn't always doing things exceptionally. Yes. Or like, yeah. Which is what... Making me geek out about how good it was and like, yeah, Mm. exactly. Which is what, yeah, you expect because of all the praise it gets. Totally. I guess that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Putting that down now. Laying the groundwork for my (laughs) score later. All right. You ready for comments? I can get the buzzer. Need to get that ready for you again. All right. Quick fire comments. Round one. Start the clock. Most of my notes could just be me calling out current day celebrities who were only itty bitty babies in this show. Definitely did that a lot. I was like, Rashida Jones, Lizzie Kaplan. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, little Shia LaBeouf. Even Ben Stiller, who was like, seemed like a little itty bitty version of Ben Stiller. But he's still like... The same age. Like, he's still, like, a grown man. I was like, how is this happening? Anyway. <laughs> uh, looks like the written word ass didn't pass the senses and was changed to butt, completely ruining a joke. What? So, in the episode with Maureen, they take her out to dinner, mm-hmm. right? And they're sort of, at the end, they're talking about how they're going to lose the next day. And oh, she's doing yeah. something on the whiteboard, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see she's rubbing it. If you look and watch what she's doing, yeah, rubbing she's rubbing out the B in bass. bass. It's deep fried yeah. bass. And she's rubbing out the Yeah, I was B. confused by that. And then they cut to it and it's deep fried butt. And it's like, that yeah. makes no sense. She had no chalk. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh, someone at some stage mm. saw a cut and went, we can't have the word ass in this show. Make they it sh- butt. They should have at least had like deep fried butted bass or something. And then yeah. Just do that. Anyway. Yeah. And that was that was definitely a post thing. Mm. It was not natural. Um, the bit where Neil's dad has a talk with Sam in the dentist chair is fucked. That is. It's so awful and weird. And also, I didn't understand why he was like, you know, obviously nothing was going on with me going on between me and this stranger. But also, I'm really lonely and my life isn't really working out well. I was like, what What angle are you going for here? Either nothing's going on or like your life sucks. I just wasn't sure if the show was doing a good enough job of really highlighting how fucked this was. That mm. a grown person has rung up his parents and said, bring him in tomorrow. Yeah. He can have a checkup tomorrow instead. He's I'm going to put him chair. in a chair where yeah. he can't move and intimidate the fuck out of mm. him and ask him to keep my fucking affair a secret That's really, yeah. oh I thought it was so <laughs> icky and gross that should be in a horror film there should be there should be really really dramatic mm. music behind that scene <laughs> anyway I really identify with Lindsay struggling to roll a joint you poor dear oh man that spoke to me how could Mar- I know how to roll so. I know you do yeah. <laughs> how could marijuana be the, that far back in the M encyclopedia book did you notice that oh it's oh, M8, no, I did it. yeah. and it's like she's looking at the last three pages. I'm like, why is it so far back? Is there no, like an explicit section yeah. in the in the encyclopedia? It's like only go here. It might have been one of those plus. ones because sometimes a letter separated? has no, so many. It's, it's, okay. You see on the shelf, it goes A B C D E F G H L L M N. There's no way marijuana was that far into the book. Right. This is these are my notes. Like these are this is the nitpicking I have for this show. Just See, so all my know. notes are pretty much just gushing. But okay, cool. It baffles me that Busy Phillips isn't in the opening credits, but Seth Rogen is. It makes no sense. Kim Kim Kelly is so much more important to the yes. narrative. Seth Rogen for the first three quarters of this show is basically just. The sarcastic guy. So weird. I don't understand that. I, I need to research that because it doesn't make any sense Very to me. strange. Lizzie, Lindsay doesn't believe in God, but does believe in voodoo. It's, you it's know, kids are all about like, 
new age spirituality and okay. stuff. Like, it's probably yeah, that's like that. fair. Okay. Not that voodoo is new age spirituality, but you know what I mean. How could you possibly mistake running over that huge dog for a squirrel? <laughs> that was one of my notes. The note is, that dog is the size of a horse. How did they run over it without seeing it? It's fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been. It was called Goliath. The joke should have been it was a it tiny, was tiny dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> Does the guidance counsellor have AIDS or something? Did you... He's so, got herpes, doesn't he? It, not, yeah, he had herpes. Yeah. But there's that weird scene. Did I miss some narrative thread where he's just like coughing? Like he's like really sick for one episode. Why would you assume he had AIDS? Because because there was a lot of que- there was someone already asked me if he was gay. That yeah. happened. Oh, it actually happens in one of the later episodes. Mm. I don't know. There was just things about his like he doesn't want to tell the end of some stories and things like that. He got beat up by some guys and stuff. And yeah, like right. there, were, I felt like I. AIDS was a little bridge too far, right? That might not be it. <laughs> but I felt like there was something quite dark or right. sad or something about going on in his life that we weren't finding out. And the, possibly. The, bit, the, the AIDS bit came from where he was just like coughing up a lung. And I was like, and it didn't had no narrative oh, okay. impact at all. It didn't, it was no, there was no joke around. There was no nothing. He was just sick. And I was like, why is he sick here? What are they building up to? With I that. mean, maybe it's very possible. It was obviously again a the eighties thing in the eighties, and it was the eighties yeah. exactly. So that possible. was the other bit that made me go. Even it, if yeah, yeah, were they going somewhere with that? Even like even though like there was implied that he might be gay, he denied that. So you know, just sexually free in the seventies, sexually 60s free in the seventies, yeah, free love could have been. He's theoretically been using drugs as well. Whether that means like you Does know with nails drugs? and stuff, um, it's at least marijuana. Really? I think so. I don't I know. Is he hippie I, at Woodstock? What do you think he was doing? I feel doing? like now that he's a teacher, he might be straight edge. Okay. He might be like doing the clean living. Anyway. Anyway. Point being, I thought that was that was must have been going towards something. I wish right. I knew what that was. Um, yeah. The not being able to study in detention thing is mainly dumb in the script because it doesn't make any sense. And why would you write that? Was that a thing that schools would do is not let you? It's probably something that one of the writers experienced, I reckon. So ridiculous. Like just, it's not... It's just dumb. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know how to process that with any sort of like... That I mean, that kind of sounds like something that like a story my dad would tell me of like school when he grew up. Oh, you know really? what I mean? So like just teachers being shitty because they can. This makes me go, that doesn't make... Oh, people are idiots mm. if that's... Anyway. Yeah. Um, everyone is kind of an asshole in this show at times. We talked a bit about that. That's good. Did I miss something? I'm confused on the timing of things. Did Nick already stay at Lindsay's house and will again? Or were they having pot roast for breakfast? So, the reason I asked this question. What? So, when Nick goes over to the Weir house mm-hmm. and he's like, he, he wants to talk to Lindsay and they invite him in for pot roast and they say he can stay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they like he, they agree to it. And then the next scene is them sort of at school and they're talking about how awful it's going to be when he stays, like as in future tense. Are you sure that's what yeah, happens? Yeah, yeah. It's, re- it's a little odd that it's like, it's like the build up to the next day when he's going to stay. But it's like... Oh, I, okay. Sorry. I think what happened was... Nick comes over. Yes. Has the pot roast. And he's invited to stay. Yes. Yes. So he has stayed that night. And that the was next, the bit that confused me because... Then, yeah. The next day, Lindsay's at school talking to Kim Kelly about how weird it is that he's that he's been invited to stay at their house. Yeah. And then the next night, it doesn't, it doesn't freak me out that they're eating pot roast again. No, no. It's not that. 
it's not that they're eating pot roast again. It was more that it the way it was cut made it feel like he was invited to stay. Then they went like then immediately after that they went to school oh. and they were talking about oh my god he's been invited to stay. I didn't get that. That's sense. gonna be so weird when he stays out. All the things because there was the whole thing about them talking about well when he offers you a massage you know you know what that means and stuff yeah. like that implying that he hadn't had that opportunity yet that was going to come up. But if he'd already stayed, he'd had had the opportunity. He hadn't done anything with Lindsay No, I didn't get that. I just felt I just like th- he was staying for longer. So that means like it's an actual thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think that could have been it, I guess, by... I, I wonder if there was another way to do that narratively that meant you could have saved the impending, oh my God, what happens when Nick stays over? Mm. And for the first time it happened. Missing the first time and then focusing so much on what's going to happen the next night seems narratively... Messy and confusing, right. I guess. It wasn't. It's not a big deal. These are nitpicks. <laughs> also, I, I just didn't get that sense. So okay, I can't I necessarily agree with you. Cool, that it's that's messy. fine. That's fine. That's fine. I see why people still cling to this show ended right as you could feel it, it hitting its stride and growing into something great. Um, and then as an ending point, it could have been worse. That was That's it. And my notes end. End of quick fire comments. I forgot what the segment was called. <laughs> Beautiful. Excellent. Damask, your turn. All right. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, start the quickfire comments clock. William McKinley High School, it's the same as Glee and Wonder Years. Meaning? So they all have the same high school name. Really? They're all William McKinley High School, yeah. Really? That's odd. Do we know why? Um, I believe in Freaks and Geeks, it was like, I assume, like an homage in honour of Wonder Wonder Years. Years. And Glee just liked both those shows, I guess. I don't know. Okay, sure. Um... That's really interesting. So, I love you so much it scares me. And then immediately we move beneath the bleachers to see the freaks. This this opening shot tells us what this show is going to be. It's great pilot work. Yeah, 100% agree. I don't think the show has necessarily always got great cinematography or is really doing interesting things like that. Mm. But that opening shot was very well planned, executed. And Mm -hmm. is like, I, I look at that script and go, good. You know exactly what your show is. You know how to say it without outrightly saying it. It's mm-hmm. it is a perfect perfect pilot shot. Mm. Perfect opening shot. I agree. Right, a lot of these I've already said, but anyway, I love that the dad's stories always ends with someone dying. The designated driver improv thing at assembly is amazing. Mm-hmm. Bill's montage as the bionic woman is fucking majestic. Yeah, I love that bit. Speaking of gender so politics good. stuff, it's mm. just very cool that Ben just that just Bill is just like he's just, just like, want to be the bionic woman. Bionic woman is awesome. And he's yeah, he's just walking up and down the streets like yeah. I'm awesome. I am the bionic woman and I am beautiful. I love that, especially in a day and age where Wonder Woman is fucking awesome, is yeah. like a r- super popular and it's like, who wouldn't want to be Wonder Woman after that movie? <laughs> exactly. So awesome. Uh, Cindy is the fucking worst. Uh, diary of a high school wa- student and all that shit, yeah. Sorry, is that the continuation of that same note? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Continue talking. I wanted to know, explain that to me. I thought it was separate oh, it was So it was diary of a high school student and then it was also when she's at the lunch table or whatever and she's like Sam aren't you going to defend me uh, I was like piss off uh, you're so basic Ugh. the whole thing of her just like she's the worst that, when once they're dating it's just like you're, you're terrible it's like, and I can see what you're doing yeah. but you just like yeah it's got nothing to do with Sam anyway um, Bill going home and eating grilled cheese sandwiches after sucking at basketball he's laughing at his TV I love him so so much um, and then I had the one about the dog which you said and I just ended it with the healing power of D and D. A hundred percent agree mm. with that. Yeah. So that's my quick fire notes. You can stop the clock. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Let's start wrapping things up. Favorite and least favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, go first? Yeah, I've got. 
Well, it's difficult, actually. Um, there were a lot of standout moments. I think I'm going to say my favorite episode was episode five, Tests and Breasts. I like the storyline with the with the geeks a lot. In well, terms you of like the, both Tests and Breasts. Exactly. So, yeah. Love, but, like love them both. The... Stuff with the porno and the stuff, and mm-hmm. then the the ultimate resolution of that with Coach Biff and Sam. I think mm-hmm. it's just a really great, enjoyable, heartwarming, and very funny storyline. Mm-hmm. And then the test stuff is the stuff with Daniel and Lindsay, where Lindsay helps him <laughs> to cheat. And that ending, I that's actually I'd seen the first five episodes before. I tried to watch Freaks and Geeks once okay. before. Yep. Not that I wasn't enjoying it, but sort of other stuff came up, so I, I didn't get around to it. And I'd seen that episode before, and I started mm. looking forward to it. Going, I know how this ends, but it's a very good scene. Yeah, like when great. he's doing Lindsay his like number, track one is the yeah. smart kids. Step <laughs> two, and it's just like, and Lindsay's laugh at yeah. the end of that is actually they're all very good fake laughers. Every they're all yeah. other than that or people were very funny on that set, except for maybe get, Sam. Except for no. I really like Sam's laugh in well, it's it's a muted laugh in a montage. In the but, sex ed thing, because yeah. I think the guy was actually making him laugh. I, again, but yeah. when he has to actually laugh after a line, yeah, he does little, that. <laughs> but he's a little boy. But you it's know, also I don't becoming, like judge him for it. It's also it almost becomes part of his character to sort of just go, is it that nervous like <laughs> <He's just laughs> laugh? Yeah. 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 Um, so I think that was my favorite, but I want to give an honorable mention to Discos and Dragons, the episode mm, eighteen. That's a great episode because the the D and D stuff was great, and just because. It sort of represents what when the the sadness of the show ending because it while mm-hmm. it does okay job of giving us some closure, it also you go, geez, this show was going somewhere cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you? Favorite episode? My favorite episode is episode ten, which is the diary. I mm-hmm. love it because we get to know the parents a bit more. Yeah. The mum sees how her daughter views their marriage and it scares her. I it's really like love really, that scene where they're sitting in the bed. And I love the mother it. and it's, it's a beautiful she scene. She is wonderful. She's great. Yeah. It uh, reminds me of my own mother. The <laughs> the scene in the um the trick-or-treat episode oh. and just the heartbreak. Because she just really wants it really loves doing this with her kids. Yeah, Because mm, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. And it's when like the woman says, oh, you should see like where all the parents are dumping oh, the cookies yeah. on the lawn. I was like, that is awful. I yeah. felt so sorry for her. Anyway. Um, yeah, so just like that moment, it deepens their relationship Relationship, and it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. And then this is a Bill-centric episode of, of sorts, um, which I love. He's being picked last, which is a nightmare. Yeah. And he's, he's angry and he tries to do something about it. He lashes out and he's like the prank calls. Yeah. Um, and then you have the beautiful moment of triumph at the end where he catches the ball. And it might not be the big catch that matters, but it matters to him and I love that. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And that scene, I really like that scene with him in the, once he's figured out who did the prank call, Coach mm-hmm. Biff. Coach Biff, again, he shows up a lot in these things. Um, it's a shame that actor hasn't done a whole lot since. Mm-hmm. The... That scene where Bill's just like, he puts on the table about why his yeah, frustration like, comes from. You can do something about it. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, you can. You yeah. can let me pick. And it's like, yeah, very, very good yeah, point. Great. And he listens, which is amazing. It is mm-hmm. good. And it just, it's so, it says a lot about the writing that they, they don't just go, have the person go, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm the, I'm the teacher and you'll do what I say. Mm. And that when there's a reasonable solution comes up, the show embraces and goes, okay, but that's probably, let's explore that and mm. not mm-hmm. avoid it because it's not necessarily the most dramatic outcome here. Yeah. Least favorite episodes. Mine is episode nine, We've Got Spirit. I found it very typical slapstick school the... humor. The one with the Viking head yeah. thing. The terrifying Viking head. Yeah. And just ultimately forgettable. It was like the whole thing with like being the cheerleader and that all going wrong and then switching over to Neil rather than Sam and mm. the. 
I, and the, there's lots of ADR. They obviously weren't comfortable with it just being letting it happen silently. So they add in all this ADR, not just Neil talking, but is it Vicky, the cheerleader as yeah, well? Yeah, the head cheerleader. They keep adding this stuff on top of it to try and make it work. You just feel it starting to fail under the weight of its own mm, head. Uh, basically. <laughs> it's a big head. Um, and so I just found that. And then that was the nerd side of things. And then the freak side of things was, I think mainly it was they picked a fight with the, they were sort of getting into the school spirit because they, oh, uh, they were fighting, they the, were fighting with the other school. The was, I was like, yeah. that's yeah, whatever. Mm. Didn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah, what about you? That's a good one. Uh, mine is, I no, think it wasn't a good one. That was the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a good pick for I, least favorite. I gotcha. Uh, I think it's called Beers and Weirs, which I think is the second It's episode. the one with the kegger, yeah? Yeah, yeah the kegger yep. party. Uh, I didn't like it when, for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Was I felt like I had seen something similar before. So, the keg party, Lindsay's upset because Daniel and Kim are doing their thing and she thought maybe there was something there and she has that scene with Neil, which it just doesn't really do it for me. It doesn't yep. quite get there. Uh, and on the freak side, um, yeah, they, they switch the kegs out. I mean, I love the moments where Bill's just getting drunk in the bedroom. That's yeah, quite that's sweet. very funny. It's very cute. Um, but other than that, it was, it, yeah, it wasn't great. Yes. And so that's, I mean, it's not bad, but it wasn't great. Yep. So I'm going mean, to go with that one. That's the worst we can say about the show. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty good. Uh, should the show have been cancelled? Obviously I not. don't think so. No, no. I think that's really... <laughs> it there certainly is... didn't deserve to be cancelled. Whether that means the other seasons would have been great, I don't know. But it didn't deserve to be cancelled. No, no. There's so much potential there. Mm-hmm. Who knows how it would have turned out, but... Man, there is so much worse television that got multiple seasons ahead yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. Final score and ranking. Mm-hmm. I give it four out of five stars. What do you give it? I give it four as well. Yeah, I think that's a good place it's for it. It's great. excellent. It doesn't quite get there, but that's only because it's step one. Yeah. It's the first steps we're taking to get to know these people. So we're not quite there yet, but for what it is for a first season, a four is really high for yeah, a first season. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and it does great work the writing is beautiful the characters are like you you can really see them you can understand them you're in the world which is what you want for the first season but yeah. it, it, it's not five it's not perfect it's still it it has aged i think it's aged pretty well but yeah, it has it has for the most part yeah but it has aged like it doesn't feel as sharp perhaps as something that would come out now sure um but f- yeah it's a solid four it's a really strong four i 100 percent agree mm. cool I think that's it. There we go. That's all we got to say about it. It's a very happy, positive <laughs> podcast really in the end. It doesn't always happen yeah. here. Uh, not too surprising, I'm sure. Hopefully, fans of the show uh, didn't think we were too... Thought that four was a worthy score. I think so. I think so. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by searching for us on Facebook, looking for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting S Cast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at B Gordes, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymu, M A S K Y M O O. Thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at Sean Kirkpatrick Designs.portfolio.com. 
shawneeboydraws.net or by searching for his work on Instagram at shawneeboydraws and also at shawneeboycomics. Also, thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. That's classic J-R-E-X. Uh, also, I want to point out that we are a part of a podcast network, the Earbuds Network, a Melbourne podcast network um, with a bunch of other podcasts, a lot of football podcasts at the moment. <laughs> We're recording this in September, by the way, which is like AFL crazy season, final season. I don't watch football. It's not going to come out. This is not going to come out for a few weeks, so uh, that probably isn't relevant. But anyway, we highly recommend checking out Earbuds and more of their work um, by going to facebook.com slash earbudsnetwork. Uh, also, please, please, please consider reviewing us on iTunes. Your reviews go a long way to helping us be noticed by other people. We are, uh, because we're placing this somewhere down the line, I'm not sure what our next episode is going to be. So we're going to leave it there as a mystery. <laughs> uh, but we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Catch you next time. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.